Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. This episode of Working is sponsored by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. Right now, get $50 toward any mattress purchase by going to casper.com slash working and using the promo code working. And by stamps.com, where you can buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package using your own computer and printer. For no-risk trial and a special $110 bonus offer, go to stamps.com, click on the microphone, and enter the promo code WORKING. Hello and welcome to Working, a podcast about what people do all day. I'm Adam Davidson. Say your name and and what your job is. Hi, I'm Monica Colasi. I'm a do-it-all-around family company. Uh, hi, my name is Kicker Kalazdi. I am her son, and uh, I don't know. I just do whatever she tells me to do. Got you. And Kicker is your real name. You know, it's as official as it gets. Great. So the company is called? The company is called Calencom Corporation, and we have been in New Orleans over 40 years. And it was started by my husband, who's a Hungarian, and uh, I've been with him for about 38 years, and I'm half German, half American, and my kids are all Cajuns. <laughs> I don't think I'm Cajun. I mean, my mom's German Jew, my dad's Hungarian, and I was born here, but yeah, I'm not 
Definitely not Cajun. We're a unique dynamic. We're the weird ones on the block. You know, people look at us down here in New Orleans. Where are you from? Why does your mom sound funny? Why is she angry? No, she's not angry. She's just German. <laughs> Great. So just uh, the way I got to know you guys is I was traveling to New Orleans. I got my son an awesome uh, porta potty that works both on, on the toilet seat and then also as a standalone unit. And I saw that you were in New Orleans and I thought, oh, wow, I'm going to be in New Orleans. So I called up and you guys invited me. So I know you as a manufacturer of a really awesome children's potty, but I've walked here now and I see you do a lot more. So just explain, I, I want a quick overview of, of your businesses. So we really, we have several divisions. One division is a jewelry packaging division. So we do, we make jewelry pouches and boxes for a lot of big jewelers and big department stores across the country. We have another division, which is Calencom, which is the, one of the oldest divisions, which is diaper bags and baby items. Uh, like the potty you're talking and about. Potet, which is our Potet Plus, is part of that division. And then we have another division called Hadaki, which is named after the three kids, Hannah, David, and Kicker. And that is our newest division. is a lifestyle division from travel items, uh, bags, luggage, to cosmetic items. And our newest division is Damn Dog. Uh, yeah, so I, I love my mom, but she's had me selling diaper bags and pretty pink bags for way too long now. So I started to lose all masculinity. So I decided to create the uh, Damn Dog line with her approval, which is kind of our masculine men's leather, buffalo, canvas, you know, just a tough, rugged, kind of cool macho bag line, which I'm really proud of. Are those? Yeah, yeah. Oh, those are really nice. Yeah, if, if you feel the handle, it's nice, thick buffalo leather. And it's kind of being, you know, sold well in Brooklyn and in the Austins and San Francisco's of the U.S. Uh, but it was, it was really just a spinoff of the the bigger company. I mean, my parents started, my dad started on his motorcycle driving around the French Quarter selling little knickknacks and pouches. And then my mother married him and they grew the company to one level. And now me being the next generation, I'm trying to grow it to a whole nother level. Great. So let's, and over the course of the conversation, we'll get at the full, all the lines, but what do you do all day? What, what, how, what did you do today? What are you, what, okay, what? So a perfect day for me is solving problems. I would consider my main job is turning down fires, turning off fires, solving problems. So problem was I come in, I found out that um, part of my fall leather collection is not showing up for photo shoots that is next week, and the company disappeared on me overnight. The manufacturer? The manufacturer disappeared. This was a new one that I was testing. Fortunately, it was just a very small percentage I had given him, so problem solved. Then working on the website, looking over, viewing the website and finding that tons of problems. So I just spent two hours going over problem solving, developing a better website. And then I would be working on my spring 2015 line. So designing, coordinating, you know. And, and which line is that? What what products? I'm working on that one on my Hadaki line for 2016 spring line. I'm finalizing the artwork. And what will those be? What kind of products? So that will be all the way from luggage, cosmetics, uh, toiletries, and leather handbags. And do you design everything? I design everything with a lot of input from good people around. Great. And what's your typical day? Like, how, how are you spending today? Well, there's a lot of napping involved and snacking and, and walks around the park. And I'm only slightly joking. I'm, I'm from a very uh, open-minded school of, tra- uh, of of working, you know. So I believe that you need to put your mind at ease, but it can be, you know, before you can really focus and work, which destroys the concept that my mother's got, which is a very hardworking, serious, dramatic uh, 
way. And you know what? She pays the bills. So her way is obviously correct. I'm trying to learn from her constantly. The I guess I don't want to say the older generation because she's looking right at me, but the older generation works a whole lot harder than people my age. What do you li- so what do you literally do all day? Okay, so I come into the office and I handle international sales and distribution as well as marketing and design and whatever else needs to get done. I mean, two weeks ago I was working in the warehouse unloading a truck. Today I was on the phone talking with my UK sales rep and maybe I'll be emailing Japan or having to put a special seal on something going to Ukraine. There's so many different little things that have to get done when you're small business because you don't have a job that is narrowly defined. You have to kind of just do what is Response, what's necessary for that day. So we always say in this business, you don't wear one hat, you wear many hats. Is Kicker right that you he drives you a little crazy by not working as hard as you do? Kicker is right, but it's not only Kicker. It's the whole new generation. It's the young generation that they want their cake and eat it also. They, they don't want to work as hard, but they want the good life. And that's not Kicker. That's the whole new generation. I mean, I'm in my office by 7 o'clock in the morning, and many times I don't leave until past 6 o'clock, and I don't even take a lunch break. Uh, the new generation does not want to work like that. No, I don't. <laughs> no, but you know, I, I, I mean, I'm 29. I'm always learning stuff. I, I, you know, I thought school ended when I got my MBA. School began when I started learning from my parents. They are the best teachers. I don't want to, you know, downplay the role that my education did have, but my real education was here in the office learning from them. Not only the basic principles of how to interact with different customers and clients and how to make a sales pitch, but more importantly, how to work hard because even in school yeah i worked hard in school but when you see your mom beat you to the office and leave the office after you it kind of makes you realize wow that's that's what real work is so um i want to ask you about creating products one thing that i noticed right away with calencom i've studied a lot of uh, american manufacturers who are confronted with the challenge of a increasingly global world and it seems to me the the folks who um have the hardest time and, and are probably almost entirely gone are those manufacturers that had a very narrow line of products that were commoditized, that were, you know, were very easy for China to reproduce in a low cost way. And what I notice with what you've described is you guys have a very broad array, an almost bewilderingly broad array of products. And they all seem to be focused on value-added, reaching really specific market segments. So can you talk about, not in a theoretical way, in a pragmatic way, how do you figure out what products to create, what markets to go after? So many times it's luck that you fall into stuff, but yes, you're totally right. We're looking for niche markets. We're not looking to be a commodity because somebody will always manufacture it cheaper for us. So we're looking for quality. We're looking to offer our customers uh true meaning to products, a reason to have them. So true features, true quality, and niche items. But what do you do? Like what, what you were talking about designing your 2016 line. How, how do you sit at a table and draw? Do you go to stores and look at what competitors are doing? What, what specifically do you do to design new products? I talk to the customers. That's my first line. Find out what they're looking for. What do they need? Who are your customers? From uh, mom and pop shops to chains. It's across the board, middle price point to higher price point. So I talk... Like target on up? Target on up, exactly. We we definitely, we're not a commodity. We're not looking to compete with Walmart items. That's not who we are. 
So the, the other thing is we don't try to necessarily target the mass. We try to target the boutique shops, you know, the little Manhattan Soho shops, you know, the little shops on the that are independently run. Uh, so that's how we can really compete is that our customer base doesn't want to have the stores, when I mean the customer base, don't want to have the same product that you can find anywhere else. And then, of course, like I said, the product she's designing is not going to appeal to everyone, but it's going to appeal for the confident consumer that's looking for something distinct. So walk me through surveying your customers is that like do you do that every day do you have a call sheet is it how, how do you talk to those customers no i go to a lot of trade shows my f- main way of communicating i go personally to most trade shows what which trade shows like we go to the uh, new york gift show we go to the atlanta gift show uh dallas we go to trade shows in europe the ambiente in frankfurt the pure in london so we have a great variety so both accessories and gift shows and talking to the customer, what do you need? I had a customer who came and said a long time ago, oh, that's in 2008 when the economy was crashing, people are taking the lunch to work more and more. We need lunch bags. And I listened, I brought them out. Our lunch bags were the most successful item for several years. And that was being there and listening to the customer and what they're looking for. Yes, uh, last year I had a customer come by and showed me this beautiful bib. It was unique. It had a teaver attached. She said, had a what attached? Teaver. So it's when uh, is the oh, teether. Yeah. So that when the babies are chewing, it's a unique item created by two uh, Scottish women. She said, "Monica, we need distribution in the U.S." That's not something I normally do, but I looked at the item. I said, "This is clever. This is unique. This is niche. This is what I want." Flew back to Scotland the next month, settled the deal, and it's, it won already all the awards in the U.S. And it's flying. Working is sponsored by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. With Casper, you get an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. You'll pay $500 for a twin-size mattress and $950 for a king-size model, well under the average cost in the industry. A Casper mattress has just the right sink and just the right bounce, thanks to two technologies, latex foam and memory foam, that work together for better nights and brighter days. With a risk-free trial, you can try sleeping on a Casper mattress for 100 days with free delivery and painless returns. Right now, get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash working and using the promo code working. That's casper.com slash working and use the promo code working. So it sounds like it's, I want to say, sort of informal. I mean, I, I'm assuming that like Target Buyers or Procter & Gamble, I mean, they, their process involves lots of focus groups, lots of big surveys. And you, it, it, a lot of this is just your gut sense based on the information you're getting. Absolutely. This is a small company. We, it's 99% gut feeling, working from your hip pocket. You're always tight on money. You always have to pay your bills. You're always rushing from one side to the other. You're always doing 100 jobs at the same time. We're not working in a box. We don't have one job specification. We have to do whatever has to be done to keep our customer happy. Customer is king. We do whatever has to be done. Get the job done. And one of our big advantages as a small company, as a small family-run company, is that because we all wear many hats and because we don't have these levels of um, corporate structure, I guess, is that we have no red tape. So we move extremely fast and we don't have to go through all those, that lengthy uh, focus group products. No, yes, sometimes we're wrong. And trust me, we've been wrong before. But uh, what are some of the worst ideas you've had or the least successful? Uh, I mean, can I say some of these? Um, 
<laughs> so we noticed that there was a need for a men's line. Uh, this was a couple of years back, and my mom asked me to, to design it. But then she took a lot of my designs, and then we edited it to try and fit in with our girls' line. But you can't have a men's line that's masculine have a lot of elements from the girls' line. They just didn't. Like what kind of elements? <laughs> I don't want to offend some people because some people might think it's masculine, but... Um, we had a, a tough body shape of a bag, but then it had this really feminine print on the inside of it, the lining. So you get this, you know, aggressive. Your mom's shaking her head. <laughs> no, I don't think that 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 actually did well. I, uh, <laughs> yeah. they still have the inventory downstairs that we're trying to clear it out. Check it on eBay right now. No, right? I, 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 I say the the biggest mistake that I think we're moving out of is trying to be forward with techie. Because we're oh, too yeah. small to comp- to be able to move fast enough with the world of the tech. And that I've learned. We cannot do that. What, what she means is that we used to make, you know, iPhone cases and iPad, you know, uh, bags and all these things. But it's too difficult. It's too hard to keep up with them. We still have Kindle cases lying around, you know. So um, you guys, you wear a lot of hats, the two of you. But then the company wears a lot of hats. You you. You manufacture, you oversee actual manufacturing, and then you also have contract manufacturers, right? In mostly in China. Well, we were manufacturers up to twenty years ago. We had many, many, many hundreds of sewers here, and we used to manufacture sewers. People sew. Sewers. We and we still do cutting sew here, and we still have sewers in this building. So we actually stole our U.S. manufacturer, and we hope to bring some back. But I learned when I first started. I learned to cut. And so, and I still have the scars to show it. And I still, when I go overseas now to China, I teach them how to do it and how to set the patterns. So, so how do you oversee manufacturing in, in a country so far away? What, do you have to go there several times a year? How, how do you make sure they do it right? Okay, we travel two to three times to visit the factory. And we do not, this is a big difference we do, we do not search for new factories overseas constantly who's going to get the best price because then that's when you get really messed up with quality. So we've been working with the same factory overseas for over 20 years. So it's a matter of trust and a relationship that we have built up. We've taught them what we're looking for and we give them most of our business. It's a big portion of their business. So we are important and now it's, it's working hand on hand very close together. And, and she, like, like she was saying, that she has sewed herself. Uh, and my mom has luckily taught me that. So our quality control, we know what we're looking for to make a quality bag. I mean, we can tell when, it, when shortcuts were used to make a bag. The big thing for us is that we don't shop around for the cheapest price. Most people, most of our competitors, they'll go overseas, you know, the big companies, with a sample. They'll have the sample made somewhere, maybe domestically, and say, who can make this the cheapest price? And it's almost like an auction. Boom, it's gone. And walk me through how you choose whether to manufacture it here or, or overseas, just some of the, how, how that choice works. And I, and I should tell you, I have written on this topic many times. I'm very sympathetic and understanding of the decision. It's a, it's a real world business decision. I'm not, you know, I, I, I just genuinely find it fascinating to understand. How, how do you think that through? Okay, so the two essential pieces to it. Uh, the more complicated the product, the more expensive it is going to be to manufacture. And we cannot simply not compete domestically. When we were manufacturing everything 20 years ago, you had accessibility to the raw materials, to the uh, zippers, and to all the little pieces very easy. Nowadays, when I try to manufacture something domestically, 
Yes, to order zippers, I have to wait 60 days because they're making them in China and I have to wait until they're delivered to me here. But for a small company like ourselves, when we're in fashion, where we're changing a line continuously and we need many different prints and colors, it's almost impossible to manufacture that in the U.S. So the only thing we manufacture in the U.S. are now simple items, canvas bags that we can bring in. It's a basic color. It's easily available. I do not have to custom make for myself. No uh, no hardware, exactly. You mean like the buttons? Hardware Hardware means buttons, snaps, zippers. Anything that's not fabric usually is considered hardware. And in the U.S., we don't. that's not made anymore. So like she was saying, if we need to get hardware, we have to bring it in from China. And so that's already adding time, cost to our expense. So anything with hardware, we really can't make in the U.S. efficiently. Um, something, your stuff is really beautiful. Like th- this is a very, uh, I'm holding up, um, a kid's potty, and and <laughs> it's a I have, beautiful potty. I have a three-year-old, so I have several potties, and this is a really elegant one. This is, you know, there are others I have that are very functional, kind of blah. Um, I mean, this looks really pretty. I mean, if I just saw it, I wouldn't even know. Um, and then I really like your bag, the the men's bag. I would love one of those. I'm not asking for a bribe. I can't take a bribe, but um, but they're really elegant. I'm looking over there. Your jewelry boxes are. Simple, but there's an elegance to them. Um, I'm sure you might recognize recognize a few of those boxes. You can't say them on the air, but... uh, Yeah, and and you've asked me not to say who you make jewelry boxes for, but I will say I know many of those names. Those are very top names. There's even a color that I notice. Um, Do you guys really do all that? You know how to do that, or do you hire professional designers to take your ideas and... No, no. We do it all. My husband... When he started, he started making little girls denim bags. When denim was the thing to have, and it was very hard to get, and he had a source to get denim, and then tote bags in the French Quarter. And then he got into the jewelry packaging. So over the years, we have learned. Kicker has learned now about men's bag and studied them and developed them. And same thing with Hadaki. The party, which is a fantastic, Apotet, that was actually invented by a UK uh, uh, man, and then we brought it in as a distributor and then uh, changed the colors from a basic white, ugly-looking or flesh-colored party. We said, this is for toddlers. Let's add the colors. So we really study it and develop it. So the Potet Plus, now we own the company outright. He's retired, and we've developed it even further. This episode of Working is sponsored by Stamps.com. These days, you can get practically everything on demand, like this podcast. So why are you still dealing with the limited hours at the post office when you can get postage on demand with Stamps.com? With Stamps.com, you can buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package using your own computer and printer. Right now, use our promo code WORKING for this special offer, a no-risk trial, plus a $110 bonus offer, which includes $55 in free postage. Go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and enter WORKING. Stamps.com, enter WORKING working the other question i have is um there was an idea i feel like was hot a few years ago that companies have to know their core product and outsource everything else but it's hard for me to figure out what is your core thing (laughs) because you do so many different things but it's almost like your core thing is doing lots of different things well i mean there's a i mean okay so you got to diversify yourself as a business. I mean, with the economy changing constantly, we've had to spread ourselves thin. And by having products in such wide industry ranges, you know, from jewelry packaging to toddler to men's accessories, uh, it's really helped us stay afloat through these past 40-something years. 
but each division has a core to it. So the packaging division that my husband leads definitely has the core, the core pouches, the core boxes we do. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking, clearly if I want elegant, simple boxes for jewelry, I'm looking at your collection. You've got, you clearly are a master at that. Yeah. And it's all custom. We don't carry any stock. We're experts. My husband knows that business backwards and forwards. The, the juvenile division, which is the Calencom division, we were the first ones to make machine washable and dryable diaper bag. We actually developed the diaper bag as a category. It didn't exist before. So this has been awesome, but I, I want to get more just day to day because it, it's fascinating to me how many different levels you have to think on. You have to think about next year and what fashions and items people will want in a year, but you also have to think that today there's a shipment that isn't here and, and everything in between. And then you also have to think generationally, how do I have a company that my my kids and I'm guessing you're hoping your grandkids one day will take over. So walk me through your calendar this week, next week, uh, over the last month. What, what do you do? So it's a small company. We have to worry about paying the bills, have money in the bank, insurance, uh, the, the hiding people, that's one of the most difficult things, actually, because we are in a point now in being over 40 years that we have a generation change. So we have a lot of our employees that have been with us close to 30 years, over 20 to 30 years. So they're getting to the point of retiring. So a key item for us in the last two years has been bringing in new generation. And I'm not talking only about my own kids, but labor forces at all. And that has taken a long, long time. What, what takes so long in that? finding the right people because being a small company and to your question your mind has to be completely flexible you have to be willing to change thinking patterns within three minutes so i can be talking with you right now i was talking website five minutes ago and then i have to hurry downstairs to see how my cutting is going for the next shipment so you have to be very flexible very fast that's very difficult to find people who can attack 20, 30, 40 things, different things in one day. And, and at the same time, it's people that aren't willing to um, go, I hate to use the word go below them, but you know, sometimes, yeah, you might have to work in the warehouse, or yeah, you might have to answer a customer service phone call. I mean, if the phone's ringing and our receptionist is in the restroom, my mom might have to answer that phone call. It doesn't make a difference. And some people just don't necessarily, you know, they want to do their job and have the defined roles and not necessarily step outside of those roles. Uh, that doesn't work here in a, in a small family business. So, so what do you do in hiring? What, what Do you take out ads? Do you just interview 10 people for each job? We, we interview. We go through a lot, a lot of applications. And, uh, and you hire and you think, oh, it's the perfect person. And two weeks later, you'd realize, no, they don't have the flexibility. No, they would rather sit in within a box and just do the same thing over and over again. And that's what's so difficult because we many times only have one person for each job. So that person is really important. They have to be willing to take responsibilities and think outside the box and, and be reliable. We, I don't have time to say good morning every day to everybody and ask them how they did and did they have a lovely evening before. I don't have that time. Of, I don't even have time. When people come in, it's like, hi, my door is always open, but it's always open to hear the problems and not to say hi. Do you want to have a cup of coffee? I don't, I don't drink coffee. I don't, I don't have a soda drink. I don't, there's none of that. My office is the best. It's 
because there's no time for it. So it's hard for people to understand in a small company. It's exciting. It's wonderful. But you have to find the right person that wants the stress level. Stress levels are very high. The responsibility is squarely on everybody's shoulder. If one mistake is made, you've got to find a mistake and you've got to fix it. And you cannot have 10 people behind taking that from your shoulders. You don't have that. Tell me about other other parts of your week. What what are other things you deal with? And I don't need numbers. I don't need details. But the financial picture. How are you guys? Is it a month to month terror fest? Are you pretty solid for the for the foreseeable future? No. Fortunately, my husband and I work all the finances together. We own our building. We own everything outright. So we're pretty solid. We've we've been building up. But once again. We did it step by step. So it took us 40 years to get here. And many people would say, oh, my God, after 40 years, you'd have sold your business or been a lot bigger. But we're still here with many people after 40 years have been long gone. Um, why don't you walk me through some of your more specific, what, what you okay, do yeah, each other? Because I, 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 um, I usually come in nice and early, not as early as my mom. She's here at 7. I'm here at 7.15. Okay, 7.30. Um, and I go inside my office. That's still really early, though. Come on, for a 29-year-old guy to show up at 7.30 in the morning. Uh, in New Orleans. In, in New Orleans, exactly, right? Uh, so I, I show up, and the first thing I do is enter international uh, emails and phone calls. Because I, they're still awake. Because they're still awake. Europe's still operating at full speed, and, and that's when I need to try and reply back to them. And what will those issues be in international emails? What are you dealing with? For example, I am trying to set up a trade show in Europe, uh, and I'm trying to get our posters and banners to look the right thing, and they keep on getting warped. And there's not only, you know, I'm, I'm having a Czech Republic company print them and then bring them to London, and there's all these logistic and shipping issues and then translation issues and cultural differences. I mean, it's, it's, there's dealing with anything internationally is instantly more complicated. And you do sell products? and, oh, and yeah. yeah, yeah, we sell product, right? Right now we're trying really hard to grow our Hidaki line and our Damn Dog line in the UK. So there's all these little cultural things which, which makes things more confusing. But then also we don't know the market. You, you know, when we sold started selling to... Um, <sighs> The Philippines, it's all about you have to get in these certain stores. There's in the malls. So there's not so many boutiques. It's more mall. It's a mall culture. Well, in, in the U.S., we try to not put our lines in mall shops. We try to be more in the boutique shops. So it's a kind of exact reversal because there are no boutiques in, in the Philippines, or at least not the same sort of boutiques that we imagine here. So you have to learn the market, and we'll never learn the market. So we really rely on meeting our key contacts there and having them walk through it. So I get in the morning, I deal with all the international craziness. That's usually the first thing. And by the time I'm through with all that, I have a whole new set of emails that I can't come in since then. So that, that keeps me busy. But then there's basic things like responding to, um, right now, we're, we're, we have to, we have to change out the leather on some of the future lines. So, and why do you have to change it? Uh, it just, it's cause I want to create some more products that are going to involve leather that bends and we don't want the leather that's too thick that won't bend and look more, basically little technical details so so we're having to switch out our leather so uh, we're gonna we're gonna have india where damn dog is made send me a bunch of swatches and then i'm going to go through those swatches and compare them so that, you know that takes up a part of the day and then of course we get to uh whatever she throws at me a lot of times it's like going through and seeing how we can tighten our, our belts even better and, and, and be more efficient because we have so many different brands and we have so many different websites for each brand. So I'm trying to figure out how to uh, combine them and make them more efficient. So my, my ideal day, I start going through all the emails and the emails can be about 
product problems with production that they need immediate answers uh, questions on how to package or how to ship should we ship 22 case or 42 case lots of little questions you never even imagine so i handle all those emails coming in from china and india first then there will be a uh, problem uh, people asking for uh, giveaway uh, merchandise promotions bloggers. PR bloggers. A lot, of, a lot of bloggers hit us up asking for free items, and then we have to figure out: is this blogger legit, or is it just a stay-at-home mom who wants something for herself? You know, so we have to constantly go through that process. I have a podcast, so I think you should give me. <laughs> but then my main job is to look through everything and then delegate it. But when after I delegate it, I still be, I'm copied on everything because I'm always like I started. My job is to find the mistakes and avoid them and correct the problems. So I'm always my, I, I look at everything that's going on in the company from the most minor thing that sounds stupid, but I'm very very controlling. That does not surprise me. <laughs> and I'm copied on everything. What's a minor thing you've dealt with this week? The most minor thing. Can I answer that for her? Okay, so what we're doing as a company is we're really pushing e-blast, sort of in, in hand in hand with the social media, Facebook. We're doing a lot of e-newsletters and stuff. And I'm a pretty capable guy. I can choose the right font. But she still wants to choose the exact font and color and, and make sure it's just to her liking. No, no, no. It comes back to... I like to oversee everything and catch a mistake, yeah? And if I don't like something, definitely express my, you know, because it represents the company. And you will not believe it how many times I catch silly mistakes or, for example, I, go, I look through the bills before I allow them to be paid. How many times I've caught trucks companies billing us the wrong rates or double billing us or the tons of mistakes like that. So, yeah, I'm very controlling. I double check everything that happens. I do give it to other people to do, but that is my main job. Catch mistakes and move the company forward. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Working. On our next episode, I will talk to a New Orleans musician who talks about the economics of street performing, regular gigs, jazz standards, and creating your own music. You can listen to our archives from Season 1 and Season 2 at slate.com slash working, or subscribe to working on iTunes. And please do leave us a review. It'll help the show and it'll make you feel good. Working is produced by Alexis Diao. Joel Meyer is our managing producer and Andy Bowers is the executive producer of Slate Podcasts. Thanks and see you next time. Hey, this is Brian Koppelman, host of the podcast The Moment. I am thrilled that I've been able to bring the podcast here to Slate. What an exciting thing this is. I'm, I'm so glad to join the great lineup of podcast hosts here. On the newest episode of The Moment is superstar chef and restaurateur David Chang. In general these days, I want like mastery or something. I want to taste something where I can't get anywhere else except that location. You can subscribe to The Moment at iTunes.com slash The Moment or find us at Slate.com slash The Moment. I hope you'll tune in. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.